We're told that we're supposed to be happy and feel good all the time. So when we're not, we think there's something to fix. And it's really all just innocent and human. And when we let it in and allow ourselves to just be in whatever is arising in any present moment with curiosity, that's our yoga. That was Selena Garifino. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Pomploon and I am your host. Welcome back to the show from our holiday break. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely needed some time away to uh, take care. Um, I ended up going and hanging out with some family and then was down in Mexico for a yoga retreat, which was super sweet, super awesome. I got to connect with a bunch of really, really, really lovely humans and it's a nice way to bring in the new year. Um, yeah, well, we're back with the show and I am so excited. We've got so much great content planned out for uh, this year, uh, 2020. Um, some really, really, really exciting guests happening in the next uh, few months. Uh, this episode is episode 102 and I've got the Fierce Calm collaboration today. So we got Selena Garofino on the show and um, I had actually um, had heard of her through the Fierce Calm people and so I started following her around and she's just got an amazing, cool story. Um, I found myself listening to her and just agreeing with so much that she had to say, uh, so much wisdom that she she said. I, I went back and listened to the episode again and had to write a bunch of stuff down. She was really um, a pleasure and um, an amazing person to have on the show. So I'm super excited to share this with you guys. Um, and of course, I want to remind you guys, um, this show uh, is, is possible because of all the love and support that you guys have been giving. And it's been so cool to see all of you respond in such positive ways. Uh, the iTunes reviews are coming in and uh, there's some donations coming in for the show. And I really just, um, yeah, it's been super cool and, and such a hashtag blessing <laughs> um, to see you guys uh, just respond so uh, so kind. Uh, as always, we would love if you left a review on iTunes. If you love the show, please share it with a friend. Um, and you can also uh, leave a uh, charitable donation to help get the show sustainable. So we're just trying to raise funds to take care of the editing and the producing and all the stuff that goes into that. And you can uh, click on the link below to uh, donate any money. Without further ado, here comes session 102. Selena, welcome to the Yogi Misfit Sessions. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. How's it going in New York? Actually, how cold is it in New York right now? It's so cold. And I live in Costa Rica most of the year, so I'm in a total and complete shock of the weather. <laughs> I'm from, um, I laugh about this a lot and I say this a lot, but I'm from Southern California. And so anytime it drops below like 70, I'm like, this is the worst. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm totally dying. I got off the airplane and from Costa Rica, you know, I was barefoot and it was 90 degrees and I'm like wearing snow boots and jackets and it's super uncomfortable for me, but I came to I do a training and it's worth it. I feel like we should um, protest the weather. <laughs> I agree. Except for I don't want to go outside to protest anything. <laughs> it's too yeah, cold. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Selena for the win. It's <laughs> 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 so funny. Uh, well, welcome to the show. I um I love doing these um fierce calm stories. I just think that they're super cool and you know, we've all got our one, we've all got our stories. Um, and, um, it's a really just great way to, to, to hear others out and to, there's a lot of conversations that I think that people are afraid to have. 
And I also think that because of that, there's a lot of shame in our story and, you know, the way that we treat ourselves then kind of has this negative effect. And so anytime we get to hear, um, you know, just an authentic share, I think it's, uh, it's a great way to pull us closer and together to one another. So thanks for one coming on the show already. And two for, for stepping into being brave and, you know, courageous and sharing your voice with us. You know, it's, it's super important. So thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. It's so important because we tend to only hear about people on the other side of their problems, right? Like we celebrate and applaud for the person that won the award or whatever. And we so often don't hear about what it took to get there. And so we think that everything is some kind of and suddenly moment, like and suddenly they were successful and suddenly their heart was healed. And that's not the case. You know, there's decades often and months and years of grief work and effort and things that go behind what appears as an end suddenly moment. And we need people to share those stories so that people that are not there yet have some leverage and some support on their way up. Yeah. It's, you mean, it's not all butterflies and rainbows. (laughs) It's not. And that's one of my things with yoga, the modern yoga movement that sometimes gets to me is there's this impression that yoga is supposed to be about, um, feeling good all the time and that it's good vibes only. And um, there's this kind of attitude in modern yoga that I think comes more from the new age movement than anything. And it's not in the yoga tradition. Like the yoga tradition says that it's hard and it says that the world is chaotic and it says that it's falling apart and that it's our job to do good and be good in a world that isn't necessarily that, you know, and that it's our work to um, hold one another up and hold ourselves up. And yeah. that gets kind of brushed over a lot, right? Well, I mean, it's easy, it's easier to brush it over because if you don't, it means that you have to like actually step into it and, and you know, take responsibility for it. Yes. No one and wants to do that. Really, <laughs> no. And, and that's too bad because yoga is about thriving on personal responsibility, right? Like yeah. we, none of us get to choose what happens to us and, you know, everyone suffers. It's inherent, right? It's the first noble truth in Buddhism that life is filled with suffering. And um, our suffering is in a lot of ways all the same. We all experience grief and loss and all of these things. And um, we don't get to choose what happens to us, but we do get to choose the way in which it lives inside of us and how we operate from it. And you can either ask why, or you can ask questions like what and how, like what can I be in this moment that I couldn't have been at any other time? How can I experience love and peace right now in a way that I couldn't have prior to this traumatic event or this thing that I'm coping with? And when you experience hopelessness, it's the place in which you get to learn to breathe hope. Yeah, I mean, and wow, I mean, so, so, and that's the end of the show. You guys might drop <laughs> the end. Goodbye. I have to go protest the cold weather now. I have somewhere to be. <laughs> you just might drop everybody on that. <laughs> well, that's good because I have a protest to attend to about the snow. Totally, totally, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. There's so much. I mean, like, like, wow, tr- truth bombs. First off, like, so much back to back. Um, in that, and I love the other, you know, the, the recognition in there too, is at some, at some point we get to realize that our suffering, you know, is, um, is up to us. And it's all about, uh, I don't want to say like letting go, but learning to change the story after we process, you know, after we go through it and you don't have to like being able to tell your story is really awesome and inspiring and super powerful, but you don't have to relive it every single time. 
And that means that you have to, you know, like you said, it's not easy. It's not pretty. It's not light. It's not all, you know, like we said, butterflies and rainbows and whatnot. It's, it's going in there and doing some work, you know, and, and processing and, and getting through the, the nitty gritty. Um, yeah. but, but, but at the end of that, there is, you know, I, I love that you said the breath. And I always think about like the one main teacher for me of like, that you cannot hold on to anything is the breath. Yeah, you know, like absolutely. Breathing, breathing every day. It's a reminder that yeah. you cannot hold on to anything. I mean, you can, but it's probably going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And you every know? inhale is a nourishment of some kind and every exhale is a release of some kind. And, and it's always the way in which we can self-soothe our nervous system. It's part of what has brought me back to yoga over and over and over and over again for my entire adult life is that it only takes one breath. And really, ultimately, it's all about healing our nervous system, which gets damaged in these painful experiences that we have, but it's healable. And when you heal the nervous system, like I don't need to unravel. I don't need to know when my first trauma happened. I don't need to know exactly what, what happened that made me the way I am now, or like all of my, you know, whatever false beliefs I have. I don't need to know when that started. All I need to do is start working with my nervous system right now in the present and make a choice about where I'm going. Right. Right. You know, and yoga offers us that again and again. How did you, let's, let's dive a little more into your story now. Like how did you, uh, one, two, three, go. Where did it all begin? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was a ballet dancer. I started dancing when I was three years old. And by the time I was 12 and dancing on point, I had really severe back and hip pain already um, from dancing. And a chiropractor actually told me to start taking yoga, you know, it's like the general cure all, right? Um, it's, it's not, but that's how people everything. treat it. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> like, just go to yoga. So I got these, I'm going to date myself, these Patricia Walden and Rodney Yee VHS tapes when oh I was a God. teenager. And I had them till I was in college, like the same set of these VHS tapes that, you know, um, probably other people are laughing and also have owned this set and know what I'm talking about. But that's where I started. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I started learning more about yoga philosophy. It was just a physical practice for me. And in a lot of ways, I used it to punish myself the same way I did ballet, honestly, because Mm -hmm. I was a mover. And so I started doing asana and it was another way in which to discipline myself. Right. You know, Um, and, and even as a, you know, as a teenager, and it wasn't until I started touching the philosophy that it became something else for me. And it wasn't until my late twenties when I actually had my first of um, a couple abdominal surgeries that I realized how much of my yoga identity was wrapped up in the physical practice because I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't lift my arms over my head. Um, Mm And it forced me, I called one of my teachers and they told me to die quietly. I'm not going to say who it was, um, AKA quit complaining. And they told me, this is your yoga, sit down. Right. Um, and that's when it really, really started to shift my relationship with practice. How did it shift? I mean, you know, your story is well, one, it's, it's, it's super amazing and powerful, but, but what, what were the major shifts that happened that you, I mean, outside of the physical, I feel like a lot of us start there. A lot of us start in the physical in the sense that, um, it's the, it's, it's how in the Western world we connect or disconnect is, you know, we're either embodied or disembodied. How did you, when it started to sink in past that physical level, what was it? What was it about the philosophy or what was it about it that started to speak to you? Or how did it 
crack you open? You know, a big piece of it for me was that I've always been someone, I used to be someone that was really emotionally reactive and I felt like I had no control over my emotions. Like I was the person who said, you made me mad. You upset me, you know, these kind of um, powerless statements and I stuff would make me feel like I was so out of control. I would get so overwhelmed by emotion. And I, um, I lost a spouse to a traumatic brain injury four weeks after I was married. And Mm -hmm. I had already been working on that emotional reactivity. But when that happened, he went bonkers, right? Like he couldn't control his emotions at all. And somebody had to stay level. Like there wasn't a choice. Somebody had to stay level. And that was when I really started to make this connection with prana and with breath and with the capacity in any given moment to become a master of intensity rather than a slave to my circumstance. And that was the big thing. It was like something just clicked. And once I understood that other pieces of it started to come together. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, like you, like you just said that self mastery. Yeah. self mastery. It's getting, it's getting to know your, it's the, I feel like yoga is the teacher of the master of thyself. You know what I mean? It's getting yeah, to know yourself. For your behavior. Like it's just options for your behavior, right? Like instead yeah, 100%. of reacting, but getting to respond gracefully and choose a response. What are the, what other shifts outside of, you know, walking, you know, gracefully through life have, how do yeah. you think yoga has impacted you? Um, well, so I, I was a ballet dancer and I was a model when I was young. And Mm -hmm. so I had some pretty serious like body dysmorphia and weird stuff going on, um, from those worlds. And when I had my first abdominal surgery, it was the first time in my life I wasn't allowed to exercise. And so that kind of obsession with, um, my outward appearance took a pretty big blow, right? Like I had this mm-hmm. giant scar up to my abdomen and I get keloid scars, which are this like excess collagen and stuff production. So I had this giant like purple scar up my abdomen and I had always had a six pack and I worked really hard for that. And I had so much of my identity attached to that. And which is so funny, right? Because the teaching of yoga is to not attach your subject, i.e. yourself with right. objects. And that's exactly what my yoga practice actually deepened that connection. So I, the way I was choosing to practice was contrary to the teaching of yoga, uh, which I didn't know at the time. I didn't know that, you know, I just, I was making, I was being embodied. Right. Um, and when I got sick and I had to have surgery and I lost that piece of it, I started studying more like deeply, deeply studying philosophy and, and coming to understand this idea that I am not my mind, I am not my thoughts, I'm not my body, I'm something beyond that. And, and what's left when those things are gone? What's left when I stop I, uh, like attaching my subject, myself to objects? What's left then? And finding this connection with oneness, with universality, with, with something else, and starting to hold a new relationship with that. And that shifted so much for me. What, how long was your recovery? Um, the first time it was two years, and then I had another abdominal surgery. So um, I had a large chunk of my intestines removed. And so okay. 
I had pretty serious digestive and abdominal stuff. And then when I was better, the um, old surgery site actually tore open and I developed oh a um, incisional hernia several years later, much later. That was actually only a year ago. And I once again couldn't practice for almost a year. Um, and my practice and is all, very different now. This all happened because of the, um, the, uh, you said they were, uh, not cysts, but they were, um, no, they're <laughs> totally unrelated. So I used to work in international public health, um, with, um, orphans and vulnerable children and maternal child health overseas. And I've had a lot of parasites, um, from living in the bush uh, and in rural areas. And so, um, my intestinal tissue was really thin and there was a lot of problems in my gut from getting, you know, weird bugs overseas. And so I ended up um, getting quite sick. So, um, that's the connection to that, but now I have mesh all the way across my abdomen inside. So my practice has once again changed. Like I will never do a deep back bend again. And what's it like now? Um, I do live with some chronic pain. I have a about six inch by six inch, um, two layers of mesh across my abdomen inside. Mm-hmm. And that surgery was done in Thailand, actually. I was alone and that was really scary. And the yoga got me through that once again. Um, I had quite a bit of surgical trauma after the last surgery because it had happened overseas and I was by myself and it was really scary. Um, I have some chronic pain now, but I have learned to manage that too with my breath and to find new ways to practice. And in so many ways, it's been a huge gift because I've even more lessened that hold of subject object, you know, of like attaching myself to my physical body and to my practice and to what my practice looks like, you know, um, it's really been a gift, honestly. A lot of us start uh, this. It's, it's, I was leading a, a lecture uh, this weekend, actually, on the yamas and the niyamas. It was a, it was a yogi mm-hmm. deep dive, and how a lot of us start in that physical realm. It's so easy for us to start there, and, and you know, we start learning about these other practices that really can shift and change us. Except we have to realize that they're practices, and we actually have to do them every day, and we have to check yeah. in with them every day, and we have to be honest yeah. with ourselves every day, and we have to do all of these other things that. Um, make you inquire and they yes. may, hence, hence why I called it deep dive, <laughs> Yes, you know, and, um, and that can be really hard and it can be really scary, but you know, the ending of that, like coming out of it is so much, you know, it's just freedom. It's harmony with yourself. It's harmony and gratitude for where we're at and who you, I don't know, just the process of going through all of that, I think is beautiful. Um, yeah, but it takes us a and while it's to not get there. Letting go. The big thing is like, I actually loathe the word letting go. When people tell me to let go of something, that's not yeah. the goal. We have to let it in. Yeah. If you don't let things go, you let them in. You feel yeah. your feelings. Anger is not bad. Sadness is not bad. Like I was telling everyone to watch that kids movie inside out. Like if you're numbing out to one thing, you're numbing out to everything. And we're not meant to have good vibes all the time or to be happy all the time. And depression is often sadness judged, you know, and not always, but often because we're told that we're supposed to be happy and feel good all the time. So when we're not, we think there's something to fix and it's really all just innocent and human. And when we let it in and allow ourselves to just be in whatever is arising in any present moment with curiosity, that's our yoga. And we're not trying to get rid of anything. The yoga tradition I'm from says that we're promised every sort of experience. 
And it's our job to make it into something of meaning and significance to it's literally to Lakshmi it God, the goddess Lakshmi. It's a, it means yep. to signify something, right? It's to yeah, signify yeah. something. And it takes a human heart to create meaning because meaning's an interpretive process, right? And mm-hmm. so it's like this stuff happens and we get to assign the meaning to it and we get to turn it into something beautiful, even when it appears as it's not, you know? Yeah. Second mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, Selena's just dropping mics left and right over here. <laughs> I'm like, how do I squeeze in every every yoga lecture I've ever given into one sentence? <laughs> but it's this. so good, you know. It's so it's so good. It's yeah. I mean, we don't know until we know, you know, and you don't totally. know until you get there. You don't know until you yeah. get there. But when you do get there, man, yeah. is it so sweet. <laughs> Well, and that's what one of my yoga teachers always says, you know, doing yoga is like counting your prime numbers. The first Mm -hmm. prime numbers are really predictable and they're evenly spaced. And when you start a yoga practice, the benefits come quick and they're pretty like evenly spaced. But what happens after 47, right? Like most people, unless you're like really good at math, you don't know the prime number after 47 and they get less predictable and you get less benefits as quickly. And it's like the path becomes steeper and darker, but, but there's like magic on the other side of it. If you can stay the course. Right. And, and that's one of the first usages of yoga in the text is in the Bhagavad Gita when um, Krishna tells Arjuna to yoke himself to the battle. And in a lot of ways, that's what we're doing, right? It's like, what are you going to do when the pressure is on? What are you going to do? Are you going to stay the course? And, uh, you know, one of my teachers said to me recently, you know, that your practice is working and that you're choosing the right practices when what isn't good for you no longer feels good. Uh, right. Yeah. 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 So good. And, and it's true. Like as you stick with practice, yucky stuff kind of starts to fall away on its own and you don't have to battle it anymore because you're surrendering and disciplined, i.e., you know, in discipleship, in love with your practice and the yucky stuff starts to like lose its appeal and you get a little cleaner and a little clearer. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You chip, you chip away, you chip away and you chip away. Yeah. And those knots of suffering just kind of unravel, you know? So it's not about denying the human experience. It's a full embracing of it and letting it in and then working with that energy in a loving way. How is this showing up in your teaching now? I have so much more compassion. (laughs) Like I was pretty rigid when I was a young teacher in my early twenties because I had like a ninja practice and that was all. And I cared about that. You know what I mean? Like somehow that was a proof of how disciplined you were. And now to me, an advanced practitioner is somebody who's emotionally steady. I could care less what you're capable of on your hands or whatever. Like show me how emotionally steady you are. Show me how peaceful you are in your life. Show me how loving you are. That impresses me. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like the way to enlightenment is definitely handstand. <laughs> Handstands all the way in a bikini. Yeah. That's the only it's, way. <laughs> right. Right. And you show just, just enough skin, but not too much. And, but not too much. Yeah. And then once you break that mark, like it's, I'm pretty sure you get like a, a ticket and it's like, you here's do. one of my tickets to enlightenment. You get to Welcome. go to dinner with the Buddha and Jesus straight away. Right. 
And if you get, if you can do multiple handstands <laughs> on one finger, a, a welcome <laughs> basket. Yeah. It's, and, and I'm not bashing on any of that, by the way, I still stand on my no. hands and play, like, yeah. It's yeah. play. But the issue is when we become attached to that, because it's just another place where you're attaching your subject to an object and then it's counterproductive because yeah. then we've right. left kind of the path and the goal. Right. 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 Um, yeah. 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 But I'm a lot more compassionate and actually love, I teach a lot of older people. My last teacher training, we had a bunch of people in their sixties and it was my favorite thing. Like there was this whole group of women in their sixties and it was so cool. And they were at teacher training, most of them not even to teach. They just wanted to do it together and learn more and grow together. And um, I love that. Like yoga is for everyone. And so much of the modern yoga culture gives the appearance that it's for 20 year old gymnasts. And, um, so, <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm, I'm thrilled when I get the average Joe into practice because they can go share that with someone else. And I've had so many physical injuries now and so much physical pain that I, I don't teach to my own body anymore. And I teach my teachers not to teach to their own bodies. Um, right. cause I think we have that tendency and propensity, right? Like, why can't you do this? Why don't you understand this? You know? Right. Um, so it's softened me a lot as a teacher and just as a human and at the same time I have more boundaries (laughs) yeah for sure for sure meeting meeting people on their like where they're at you know as they show up I think is so 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 super important and we can forget that as advanced practitioners or teachers or you know those of us that have gone through it multiple times not everyone else has (laughs) you know we can easily, easily, easily forget that. We may have, but not everyone else has. Yeah, exactly. And just staying a beginner, you know, I like to me, the more advanced teachers and practitioners are the ones that are beginners and stay students. Like I say this and sometimes it offends people, but I actually won't go to yoga from people that don't have teachers, not because I don't think that they're a teacher or that they're not good, but um, I just, I, there's something I can feel it when someone is a curious student and has teachers and they're invested in that way. Um, and I so respect that, like, I like staying a student and staying soft in that way. And, you, you know, even these words advanced and the beginners and whatever, like, what are we talking about? You know, like what mm-hmm. defines someone as being advanced? You know, I love Jason Crandall used to say that, um, an advanced practitioner was someone deriving the greatest benefit from the simplest of actions. Ah, uh, yeah. So good, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's my primary teacher. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I've never yeah. met him. I just think he's great. <laughs> he's, he's an amazing. He's an amazing and phenomenal teacher. He'll be on the podcast uh, shortly, actually. Ah, uh, I'm gonna listen in. I just I have so much respect for him. Yeah, he's amazing. Lucky guy, you and him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's pretty, yeah, as well. Selena, I can't uh, thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing, you know, your story and just having this conversation, I think is, and all the mic drops. Jeez, girl. (laughs) (laughs) It was really such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for making it so easy. Yeah, Yeah, it was so easy to talk to you. It's super important. I think, you know, again, I, I really do believe that the more we have these conversations, um, the better we'll be. So it breaks shame hundred percent to tell our stories and people need our medicine and we've all got it. Shame reduction. That is my thing. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Shame reduction. Diffuse it. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Well, until the next Yogi Misfit sessions, this is Danny and Selena saying peace out. 
Peace.